We're going to open up to page 16 in Bnei Machshavatova. This is Osvav, the sixth letter. Now, this is... Because today was seem, today's learning, the, the Hebrew is not just complex, that the Hebrew is very, the Hebrew itself is very complex, but the context is also very complex. And I, I've been going over this a few times for the last few weeks, as we haven't learned this in two weeks. <clears throat> I don't want to get stuck here. I just want to remind us all where we were at last time. Where we were at last time is that we started learning two lines of, a, of, a, of this paragraph, and we tried to come up with the, we tried to, we began discussing. Is it possible to do any of the work that he's speaking about here in terms of producing spiritual thoughts? Is it possible to do any of this for real um, with, the, with the way that our minds are wired today due to, due to the fact that we walk around with computers in our pockets all day long? And I decided I'm not calling my phone a uh, phone anymore because I rarely use it as a phone. I rarely use it as a phone. I use it, it's a computer. Right? Can I see your phone? No. Can I see your computer? Right? If, I think that if we start to call it for what it, what it really is, I, I, it could be that that might help a little bit, uh, just help us with our awareness. I mean, how many of you, how much do we use our phone for our phone? What's the function of a phone? You, you, you call people and you talk to people on a phone, right? What about messaging? Is that a phone's function? Is that what, is that what you use phones for? Maybe one of the aces is that we should move to kosher phones. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> if, if he wrote it today, then maybe. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, that year that we, that we did that last one, so we posted online, there was so much feedback from, from friends and students learning all over the world, talking about this concept of, is it, really, is it truly possible to tap into real, sincere mindfulness, which is what we're speaking about, with the amount of, of burdens that we're, we don't even realize it anymore. Remember last week we were talking about that we're not, we're, not even, we're not even aware of the things that we're tolerating. We're, we tolerate our mind being completely taken into captivity all day long, but it's already like, whatever, it's a given already, this is it. I've bought into it. I think that I was one of the last, I think I ever tell you guys, I, was one of the, I think I was one of my last friends to get a smartphone. And I held that because I said to myself, I cannot imagine if I had access to my email whenever I wanted. Because I was overwhelmed even when I would go and sit on my computer and thinking about the fact that I would have it on me all the time. Crazy. I think I shared with you guys. So the, it hit me that people's, people expect you to constantly be connected to whatever their needs are, no matter what's going on, because we can connect to you wherever you are. Because you're going to carry a computer on you all day long. Not a phone. You're going to carry a computer on you all day long. Okay? I was in Hong Kong. I was traveling there through Australia with my wife, and I only had one girl then, our oldest daughter. And I got off the plane. I'm in Hong Kong. I don't know. I still had one of those old phones. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, whatever. I'll check into this hotel they're putting us up in. And I'm sure in the lobby there's a, there's a computer where people check their email and their computers. I got to the hotel, got... And I see, I, you know, it took me three hours till I checked in everything. They were freaking out that they weren't able to reach me for three hours. From the time I landed in Hong Kong, right? And I see people's, people expect, this is it, it's done. The whole, like, I'll get to you when, I'm, when I have a minute is done. Meaning, like, when it's good for me to just be in the right zone, that means nothing anymore. It's when the person is expecting you to, to respi- respond and reply, that's when things are right. So is that wrong? 
I'm saying, should we try to work on going back to that? Because then otherwise think you're so. really controlled. Yes. And we're being controlled Absolutely. by what people want. Absolutely. Not what we want. Absolutely. So what do you think? But when you say people, you mean friends or you mean business? Both. So you'd be unemployed Both. in this day and age. Like this is, you know, you can have your standards at the end of the day. No, you know, you're, you're, look, I don't know, you're, you're, you're avoda demands absolutely being with, right? You're, you're mature about it, right? But when, but you choose when they mature about it. No. Why? You have hours. No. You don't have hours. No. So who's, the, who made that? Who caused that? Well, society, yeah. It's the nature of your business. So, so you'll be unemployed. So what are, what are we racing towards? Towards a life that we're completely controlled by people's expectations and demands. You try to manage the reality. Impossible. It doesn't. You you try. You know. Trying trying to manage the reality means you have gedarim for your computers. You know, I don't work on Shabbos, but like besides that, you know. Right. Right. So I think that trying to manage it would mean that you have gedarim for your for how much you use your computer. Right. So, no one does that. No, no, not halacha gedarim. That's, of course, I'm talking about just mental gedarim that, you know, I'm not going to be accessible or, and, and the world will still exist and that'll be okay. We experience this right now. I mean, I see how it is even in family life. Like last Sunday, I went out for three hours. Someone took me up to the hot springs in Colorado just for three hours, right? I, I, I just, it was the only time I, I had to see anything there. And during those three hours, my sister-in-law went into labor and gave birth. And my wife is freaking out that she can't reach me to tell me that, 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 that right, that the daven and that my, my sister, that her sister gave birth. Now, is she wrong? No, because she lives in a world that that's already, you know, if I can't reach you, what's wrong? What's wrong? Absolutely. Actually, nothing was wrong. It was perfect. And your sister was perfect, and you were good, and I was good. But because we couldn't know exactly where everyone was at any second, it's created already this, it's, it's Pashat. We're, we're, we're completely controlled. But the, the point of this learning, though, today is just to show us that to reach a level of purifying the mind, purifying the thoughts, like Noach said last week in Shia, he said, it's, it's practically impossible to really do that today when we're being controlled by, by the computers that we walk around with all day long. So now we're going to see if we have enough koach or ratzam to really set gedarim, for real, in order so that our minds can become truly purified and used for much more than what they're used right now. If you don't have that, whoever didn't get these two pages, because this is the, I wanted to look at it in English as well because it's very, it's very difficult today and I don't want to get too stuck on just deciphering the coding of the, of the uh, of the translation, I really wanted to uh, to get to what he's saying. Okay, and inside the sh- inside the sheets, inside the safer, it's page sixteen. All right, so there you go. All right, everyone have. Toby, do you have? Oh, no, I'm just going to read this in, in English, okay? And to be right, say, when we do a sim on the Sefer, you'll just read it in Hebrew to feel from. But, but for now, we're just going to learn it in, in English, okay? Now, look at the third word here is perfect. 
Look at the third word of our text. It is deplorable. Very interesting word being used right now in America, right? It is deplorable that human beings are so immersed in habit that they're unable to break free. What do you mean? I can't give up my... I cannot stop being addicted and controlled by my computer. I'll be left without a job. Can't. Or any other legitimate excuse that I can't get out of this. This is the way it is now. When a person is habituated to see only physical things in his thoughts, it seems to him that thought itself is a physical and sensory phenomenon. Okay, what does that mean? Read that again to yourself, that, those last two lines. When a person is habituated to see only physical things in his thoughts, it seems to him that thought itself is a physical and sensory phenomenon. That what, are, what are thoughts used for only? Like, what, how do I use it? Physically imagining what it would take to just go through things. That's it. I, and I have to visualize it, because otherwise, any maral satim say, I got nothing to do with it. And that's how we're accustomed to treating the world of machshava. Now, I want to remind you all what one of our friends said that learned with us. What is a spiritual thought? How do you define a spiritual thought? A thought that has, one his way was saying, a thought that has absolutely nothing to do with the ego, with you. <clears throat> how many thoughts have we have during the day that have nothing to do with us? We're just thinking of them, and it's not about us. Very, very, very rarely does that actually happen. That thoughts come inside, in and out of us, and they have nothing to do with us. Nothing. Okay? If this is your belief, you have erred, and not only regarding imagery and thought. Do not know. He says here something that really freaked me out. I was learning this on the plane, and I had no idea. It really, really scared me. Do not be so sure that even your senses are entirely physical. After all, you have never seen the sense of sight, nor ever heard the sense of hearing. You have only sensed those things that sight sees or hearing hears. Getting trippy yet? <laughs> yeah, you guys freaked out? Does this make any sense to anybody? But well, thank you for being honest. <laughs> Everyone else here thinks I'm supposed to understand what this, I have no idea what this means. But once you're removed from the object that is seen or the sound that is heard, your sense of sight or hearing disappears. You do not sense them. And so in truth, why assume that the sense of sight itself is physical and can see nothing but physical things? Perhaps, it, perhaps it's capable of seeing everything, including non-physical things. But since you only bring it physical things, you have habituated it only to use its physical sight. Anyone want to give a crack to this? To, to, to be on? Nothing? Could, it, could this be like when we say, we were talking, you were going to share once about saying Shalom Aleichem. Are we really, are the angels really there? Are the angels not really there? Or is this not even like, well, going there? Like that's a sight. To like, a certain... Oh, okay, one second. Let me ask the you a question. Thing. Are the senses a physical thing? Yeah, we have five senses that are physical things, right? But the way that we use the word sense is not so physical. I sense that it's not really shayach. What, is, what does that mean? What are you using? When you say, I sense that this guy's off. So what are you using in that, in that moment? Intuition. Is intuition a thought? Absolutely. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we... The Rebbe here wants to tell us 
that when a yid develops the kedusha that's innate within him and he expands on it and he develops it, his intuition, which doesn't isn't necessarily have to do with imagery or physical things, is right on. In fact, how did how did the avos keep all the Torah kula before the Torah was even given? What were they working on? What were they working with? Dot? What, what were they working with? Imagery? They, didn't, they never saw a physical Torah. They didn't see Hashem on Mount Sinai. What were they developing? Rav Cooks calls this a, 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 a We learned it. Musar Klayot. Does anyone remember this? Musar Klayot. Like the ethics of the kidney. That which, that, that which the Kishka knows for sure. So when you say, I sense something, the, what, what the Rebbe says is that because we don't know how to trust our intuition because we're not in touch with our intuition, therefore, we only use the power of thoughts for things that I have to see and I have to, I have to imagine in front of me, literally, right? But we're capable of so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's Bina that's not based on something that I see in front of me. Like Chochmah is usually something that I kind of like, he's saying you got to go straight to Bina on a certain level. Very good. Okay, and he's saying we're basically using so little of our Chochmah because our, our intuition is not developed. It's not, it's not developed yet. How does a Jew develop his intuition? By filling his life with Kedusha. Filling it with Kedusha. Surrounding himself with friends that also have that Ratzon for Kedusha. It expands on that place inside of us that doesn't have that much access. And before you know it, you realize how much you've compromised on all the chushim, that, all the senses that Hashem has given you. Just like we know, how much of the brain do we use, percentage-wise? What do we say, 2 to 3%? That's like, just so the fact that we know that we don't do anything about that is sad. He's saying over here, no, let's acknowledge that, that we're only using about 2 to 3% of our brain that Hashem gave us. What, how could you call yourself someone that's really in awe of Hashem and what He's given you if you're only tapping into 2 to 3% of your brain? When you tap into more of that, then you don't need to make things physical in order to think about them. You can use so much more of your Koyach HaMachshava and that really depends on how much you're expanding and filling it with the Ratzon of Kedusha and Vekus and clinging to Hashem. Let's continue. Uh, guys, I, I know this is very hard. I want to get through this together. I, mean, I don't expect any, any of us to fully get it the first time. Can you imagine doing this in Hebrew? <laughs> I have elsewhere spoken of how the wisdom of a man illuminates his face. It doesn't Kohelet. Chochmat Adam Ta'ir Panav. You ever, you ever see people that you, you don't know anything about them, but they walk into a room and you just, you sense, right? You don't see exactly, because you don't really know what's going on, but you sense that there's something inside of them is really pure. Chochmas Adam, the Chochmah of man, will illuminate his face. Chochmat Adam Ta'ir Panav. Everyone can recognize whether someone else is intelligent or foolish, pure or coarse. Such sight is not physical. For whether someone is intelligent or f- foolish, pure or coarse, does not affect his features per se. Right? You understand that? How do you, how do you sense if someone is, is a fool? Like what, what part of you is telling you that he's a fool? You don't see him acting like a fool, but you could swear that this person's off. So what leads you to that place of that, be, I guess you're right, Binyamin, of that dot? There's a bina, there's an inner intuition that tells you there's something that now the more pure you are, 
the more that you're in tune with where people are at. That's why, you know, certain rebbes, when people walk in, remember that story about the Choyza of Lublin, when we said a few weeks ago about that with the haircut, that whoever would touch his hair, he would start freaking out, screaming. Because the more that you yourself are a mikdash of Farah Kaddish Baruch then your senses are more refined. And that's why, you know, rebbes, sometimes people walk into a room, they'll, they'll jump backwards. Why? Because they... They could see, they could sense something inside this person, right? They don't see it. It's not like they say, I could see people are scared to go to a Rebbe because they'll see everything in my neshama. What does that mean? They don't have superpowers that they could see right now what's going on in you. But they, what they do have is that they sense. The Kayach HaMachshava is so refined that they can really be in tune and their intuition is so refined that they know on a level of Bina and Dat what's going on in that, in that person. They don't, they're not bothered by the Shtiyo that we're bothered by. Even from like a big stuff, political stuff like that we think about all the time. <coughs> this stuff's like kind of silly. To them? Yeah. Right. I think it's like you, you were saying the other day, they're just pawns. I mean, that, the political stuff's yeah. pawns. They, don't, they see right through And they that. see right through that. Yeah. They see right through They say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let myself get worked up about things that... There's no way in the world that that's going to have actual any a real effect in my, you know personal effect in my life. Even if it does have an effect, what does it matter? Right. Right. There's so yeah. At every okay now look, let's continue now it'll get a little bit a little bit more chiller okay. At every stage of a person's ascent, there exists the stumbling block of an inability to transcend habit. Okay, and that we know that for mamish, a fact of all facts. That's the hardest thing in the world. That, that's what we learned also, the first thing that Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, by the burning bush. Remember what we learned is, Shal na'alecha me'al raglecha, which doesn't just mean take your shoes off your feet. It means take the locks off your habits. Shal na'alecha na'al, from man'ul, remove the lock off your raglecha, hergel, your habits. So he's saying over here, when you're growing, the stumbling block you're always going to feel, it doesn't mean, like Rabbi Nachman said, it doesn't mean that you're falling down now. It means this is a simon that right now you're about to you approach true greatness and a true jump, a true ascent. But what's the stumbling block? What's the test? As much as you were excited about something, the test is habit. The test is being able to figure out a way to come across habits, to transcend habit. No matter how much we want, we, we may want to explain reality to such a person. Now, what reality is he speaking about? The reality that he spoke up above, about our power of thoughts and how little we really use them. No matter how much we may want to explain reality to such a person, no matter how much we, want to, we, we might wish to enlighten him, it is difficult to successfully bring him to realize that truth is the opposite of what his eyes perceive. That is a very hard thing to tell somebody what you see is not what's real, right? His habit. Where are we? His habit, his habit elicits a sort of hidden stubbornness in his heart that does not allow him to shift by a hair's breadth from his original conceptions. This, mamish, when you know when we were told um, that we're an amkshe oref, it's a real thing. What does Amkshe Orif mean? A stiff-necked people. That means like, when we're sure about a certain something, that this is the way that reality is because of the way we are accustomed to have lived, living, you can show someone Gan Eden. 
But to that person, that's not reality. Because the reality is whatever he's accustomed to. Whatever he knows to be the way he's lived his life until now. You could show them Gan Eden and it doesn't, it, it doesn't really mean much to him at all. Nothing. Look, and this, is, this also explains why, you know, how could it be we kept on asking to go back to Egypt? Did we really think it was good in Egypt? No, but what did we know for sure about Egypt? That it was our reality. Because we saw it, we, 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 we had it in front of us. I know that to be a fact. I'd rather go with a horrible reality, because it's reality, as opposed to that which I can't see, which I'm told truly is beautiful and tremendous and Gan Eden and Eretz Yisrael. I'd rather go over there. Okay? So he's saying over here, again, his habit elicits a sort of hidden stubbornness in his heart that does not allow him to shift by a hair's breadth from his original conceptions. I, came, I have an original conception of what life is like, what Yiddishkeit is like, and what God wants to do for me and give me. Sorry, can't move from here. This is who I am. And this is the reality. It can't change. How can we raise such a person beyond the earth? When he hears words such as these, meaning such as like what he, we've been learning until now, words that contradict his habitual experience, he thinks and exclaims, what is this man talking about? Is he saying that this world is not physical and that I myself do not know who I am? This man of the spirit is mad. So therefore what? I'd rather not drink the Kool-Aid. I don't want to just, you do your thing. <laughs> you talk about these great machshava things and have a good time. I'm chilling here. I'm staying here in my safe comfort zone. So the Pesachner is saying to his Chabura, he's saying, you want to start judging that person? Who are we to judge that kind of person? We ourselves can barely understand what we're talking about in terms of how much we're really accessing our mind and our thoughts. Of course a person that's not going to be part of a Chabura, like we're trying to form here, he's saying, of course a person like that is going to feel threatened and freaked out and would rather say, you Meshuganas have a good time, I'm staying over here. Like many people that have listened to the past Shurim have, are probably thinking like, okay, now they really went, <laughs> they really went overboard right now, right? Those Uman trips really did them in this time, right? Could be that's what they did. <laughs> Binyamin, you had those thoughts a little bit? Yes. <laughs> it's okay, I have two. What about the ones that are sitting here who haven't been to Uman yet? <laughs> <laughs> then you're really out of your mind. <laughs> okay. Now he's going to talk to us, mamish to us, that are trying to struggle and understand how do you access more of your, is it really possible? How do you access more of, of the power of thought? How do you go to a place of really having a sense of Kedushadik intuition? For real. Tov, I'm sorry, here. We're doing it in English today. Essentially, what you lack is the ability to expand your thought to pure mindfulness, stripped of physical form and image. Okay. However, this is why I said last time that it might be impossible to do this avoda with the way that we're enslaved to our computers. Dov, we have a new term. It's not phones. It's what it is. We're calling it what it is, computers. Because we barely use it as a phone. We're using it as computers. Okay, look again what he's saying. Essentially, what you lack is the ability to expand your thought 
to pure mindfulness, stripped of physical form and image. You demand of every thought that arises in your mind a physical form and image, since you are habituated only to these types of thought. If this does not appear, you don't even recognize what you're experiencing as thought. Meaning you always have to give a, uh, a title to, to the... To the, to the Tasrit, at least say Tasrit, to the script. To the script, right? Meaning that there is a script going on and it's, it could be much more beautiful when you don't have to title everything. But why do we usually give names and titles to things? For what purpose? Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we name things? Dove, you think we're crazy? I love it. I love it. <laughs> why do we usually have to always... What's the purpose when you, when you title something? Why do you need to categorize something? Why can't you let things just be there without having to define it? We have preconceived notions about how things fit in to different areas of our life or don't fit in. It's you can right. extract from it then. Right. Now, wow, wait a second. Can you extract from something that's not totally defined? Then you don't really understand it. Like, what do you take from it then? It's just, it's just that. Okay, that, that's, we're, we're really getting... We're really getting somewhere very, very good. The more that, you're, the more that you develop this innate kedusha inside of you, the less of a need you have to define things in order to extract from it. Because your chibur to it, your connection to it, is so much deeper than, than the way that we usually extract from things. We want practical use. We always want practical. What am I getting from this? I want to learn something. What am I getting from this? Practical, right? Is this, is this Hasidus? Is this... Uh, Here we go. This is, this is the game. Yeah. This is the game. Is it, possible to, is it possible that Hashem's wisdom and the world that we got, right, that there are moments in life that it's not about what am I get from it and that it could actually play a function in my life without tachlis extracting from it? Without putting it in a box. Without defining thoughts as this is what it is. Putting a thought into a box. Is it possible? You're saying if it helps your neshama or whatever to you know to understand other events, if it helps your gut, your intuition, then that's the benefit you're getting from it. Even though you can't categorize. No, no, it, not that's, Is it possible? It seeps in somewhere. It just. What, to what, what's that place? Your neshama. Ah, your neshama. What are the all the other things you said before? Where does it seep into? That's your senses. It, it's not not yet, not yet your senses. Your physical. Right, which is called Eitz, huh? Yes. Boom. This is it. The sustenance of the Eitz comes from a place that has to define what things mean, what they are. And that's how we're accustomed to spending our days in our li- of our lives in this world. If something happens, I've got to define it, physical form, this is it. How do I extract from it? The Eitzachayim is a different ballgame. It's not that place. I extract, it's not even extracting, it's dveik, it's, it's just, you know, when you extract, it means you have to connect something from to another point and show a kesher to it, how it, the implications of it in my life. The Eitzachayim is something else. Living a life, a spiritual life, you think that tzaddikim all day long are defining thoughts that they have in order to see how it goes into their life, how it plays a role? They're, I don't know what the word is, but they're, they're there. I don't know what the pipeline is called, but it's just, it's just there. Do you, know, do you understand what we're saying? They're just there. Now, 
There, how do they get there? Because of this purification of their mindfulness, is that they spend so much less time in using so much less power in their brain to define and extract. They're just, I, I, you know, it's very hard for me to use words to describe, but I think everyone understands what I'm, what I, what I, what I'm trying to define, what we're talking about. He's saying over here, we can't even imagine that. Why? Because how much of our mindfulness is really pure? Think of how much, how much we use our brain for during the day. And when it comes to social media, when it comes to walking around with computers, we realize that we really give our minds any bit of a chance to be able to be connected to things that don't need to be defined all the time. They're, they're constantly being used for things that... It's all it's adas. You're intaking... Your input is, on, is knowledge all day long. How much of your input of your mind has to do with life, with Chaim? Not so much. It's more knowledge. And we think the more we know that the more it's actually better for us because we could define things better for us. I feel so much more dumber and more stupid with every piece of info that I've been, in the last, especially the last few months. You know, that anything, any input that I have from what, what's going on in the world, I don't, feel, I don't feel any more connected to anything. Nothing. I definitely just feel, I feel much less connected to myself. I'm, I'm going through this right now. I don't feel connected to myself. And I, I think that it's because I've gotten so into certain things, specifically that are happening in America, that I don't feel it has anything to do with my neshama. Nothing. Nothing to do with me. And I feel disconnected from so many friends who are so... They're going nuts over making statements and, and I have nothing to do with my life living here in Eretz Yisrael. Nothing. It has nothing to do with it. And I think it's because I, I'm using my mind so much less for things that I tachlis etzachayim. Does that, does that resonate with anybody? For those of us that are listening to us online, people did nod their heads right now and say, <laughs> and say yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. In truth, are you all with me? In truth, I am not saying that imageless thoughts never arise in your mind. They do. However, our consciousness possesses a critical filter that screens and checks all of our thoughts. This is mamish, deep. This is this is totally cabin zen over here. You see this, Israel? Any thought not similar to this worldly existence appears to that filter as what? Well, what's another word for counterfeit? How would you say that in Hebrew? What does he say? As a... Huh? What does he say over here? Magi. I can't know. Mazuyaf. Totally fake. Any thought not similar to this world of existence appears to that filter as mezuyaf, and it pursues this thought and wipes it out of your mind. That's the way we've been accustomed to thinking, that if it's something that I can't define, if it's something that I can't put a title on, then what do I do to it? It's useless, or it's fake. I, got nothing. I, I can't do anything with this, so let me just throw it away. Because I can't use it for anything. I can't definitely make money off of this. Right? I can't use this information to have any effect in my life, so I'll throw it away. For instance, although thoughts of impossible things arise in a child's mind, such as that he can fly and so forth, 
they do not enter an adult's mind. Isn't that simple? The filtering faculty that has grown within him evaluates this thought and compares it to the things of this world that he can see and hear. <clears throat> so efficiently does it expel and deny any counterfeit thought that it seems to him that the thought never even entered his mind. So you completely push away any of these non-definable thoughts. This filter is so developed and has such influence on his mind that it blocks and intimidates any counterfeit thought from crossing the dorsal of his consciousness. He does not even sense this filtering faculty. Instead, it appears to him that these thoughts simply don't even occur to him. I'm blowing my mind by this, by the way. Do you see it? Isn't this amazing? And now, in regard to our topic, it's not that you don't have any thoughts stripped of physical form. Such thoughts do arise within you. But since the filter in your mind is habituated only to thoughts with form, it chases away any pure thought. Since you do not even sense this filtering faculty, it seems that no formless thought or imagination exists within you at all. Why? Because even if they does happen to you, what do you do so fast? You, it's not even... What, what, what am I going to do with this today? What am I going to do with this today? How is this going to help me? How is this going to help me? That's, what, that's the filter. Does the, do I derive any benefit from this or not? If yes, then, then I will. But it can't be because I can't make sense. I, there's no title for this, so forget about it. In truth, however, once a person is convinced that a true thought cannot rese resemble a this-worldly image, and once he has expanded and broadened pure thought within himself, when such a thought arises in him, he thinks, imagines, and sees in accordance with the state of holiness and throne of glory of the root, the place from where his soul came from. He's not bothered by a lack of physical form, and thus his filter does not block his thought. What is he basically saying over here? When do I pay attention to my neshama? Rarely. Why? Because thoughts about my neshama are not this worldly thoughts. Nachon? When do I pay attention to my soul? When is my soul the ikr of my thoughts during the day? Rarely. Why is that? Because the filter comes in. The filter faculty plays a role before, before I can even access my neshama. Right? What happens to my, the way that my mind thinks? It doesn't even allow me access to be taking care of my soul. Why? Because what is taking care of my soul? How does that help me in this world? What kind of tachlis benefit? How do I derive, how do I extract anything to, to my neshama with thoughts that are imaginary, that are not formed? Yeah? Not so much? But the link between, between like, thoughts of children and did you did you dream of, of flying when you were a kid or some kind yeah, of you know? Flying is, is, is another like I, you connect two things. You connect a bird. And a person, it's not non, but it's thing. imaginary. Yeah, this is totally. He's saying he's saying, but he's saying, why don't we even have those kind of thoughts as an adult? Because what have we learned to do? We've learned to not entertain any thoughts that I can't make sense of. But some people like inventors do. 
נכון? And they're plugged in. Exactly. Absolutely. 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 Exactly. You're proving everything he's saying. Where, how are they able to do such a thing? One in a billion. You're trying to run away from the responsibility right now of the of the man of the. Nachon, nachon, you're right. Absolutely, absolutely. So where does it come from? Where does their koach hadimyon come from? That they've been able to kind of like chop away the the, the filter. They, they're somehow able to not let the filter control their their world of thought. Or it's not that some people are just born with an... Gamkem, absolutely. Like an ability to see above the horizon? Or, I mean, just... Probably. What do you guys think? Is it something that you're born with or is it something that you... De- can you develop it? Put it like that. I mean, the Wright brothers, like... A, yeah, no, you know, absolutely. Even, no one before that even thought about flying. I think about this in music. You know, when I think of the way of Mozart or, or you know... Like, you know, you really have to be in this non-filtered world to produce, to compose really heavenly music. Because when you're just sitting in front of a piano, or you're sitting in, with a guitar, you know, and you have to, you, you sense, and I see this all the time, like the Heichal and Nagina, this chamber of Nagina. You sense your neshama wanting to express something, being connected to something, but nothing makes sense. Like, you're not, you know, there's, there's notes in your mind, in your heart. How do you, how do you connect it to you really have to, you know, I think that you are born with it to a certain extent. I think it's really hard to develop it when it comes to like certain senses, like music. Like someone that's tone deaf, I can't really, you know, tell him, listen, you're a vod in this world, just to figure out a way to not become tone deaf, and then produce beautiful music. That's, 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 that's Meshuka. But in terms of Gdusha, I can't makabal a world that if you're not born with it, it's impossible to develop. Because then most of us are only doing this world, right? Maybe that's not our world. To become to become intuitively connected to kedusha. In different this type of way. In certain ways, nachon, nachon. Let's let's finish this bottom thing over here. However, when he starts to analyze this experience, asking, "What am I thinking and seeing?" He has already descended, and he can no longer understand himself and his previous thought. This analysis is a return to comparing his every thought to the thoughts and forms of this world. You know, I'm going back to the mashal of writing a nigun. If your mind, you could, I'm telling you, you can hear in a nigun if the person was thinking about, will this sell or will this be a hit? Based on certain notes that he goes in the nigun. I'm not kidding. Someone last night taught me a nigun that was somewhere. Someone, someone, um, other forms of art that people aren't worried about, will this be a hit? Then you see that there are people's expressions of their soul, especially in artwork, and they're not thinking about what can I do with this. They stay in the place of beyond forms, right? Even though it's actually something that's an art. And you see the whole product is a work of Eitzadah, uh, sorry, of Eitzachayim. Bring it to the personal level in terms of. What's, what usually stops somebody from having these otherworldly thoughts? It's like, well, I'll be, what, what will I look like? What will I look like is a big one. Right. It's, I want to sell a hit. I'm not, you know, what will I look like? I want like? to be a hit. But if I start to, I think that question, Binyamin, like, that's our Avoda. Right. You could float away into 
He says this. He says that the guy looking at it from the outside and they've never been taught or tasted a way of developing the mind, which is the purpose of this Chabura, will stand from the outside and say, you guys are crazy. You could have right now spent a half an hour learning text so you can go home and know what the parasha is talking about. Instead, you're talking about these things, right? And he's right from the outside. But from the inside, the soul is saying, I'm going to spend another day completely enslaved to my computer, not allowing me to expand on my soul. Pashat. You see, even the, this is going to sound crazy, even the text that we learn, when it's like, what could I do with this? Now I can now I have that, now I know what Rashi says, is still very much trapped in what? It's, huh? It's a das. Because as long as I'm worried about what can I actually get from this, my soul is not being touched. My mind might be being touched. Well, it's also you have such a crazy schedule that you have half an hour to learn, you better get something from it, because otherwise... Why do you have half an hour to learn? I'm just saying, not me personally. No, 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 I'm, I'm going to hit you on this. General, Hold on, no, no, no. I go to Shear, so I have a half an hour to learn. So, so, so to the seeker, to the real spiritual seeker, that lifestyle might not be compatible with doing this soul work. But then you have to make a conscious decision. I will not be attending to my neshama the way that I know it could be in this world. But let me be, at least be honest and real about it. Are you willing to take that? <laughs> we, do, we do our best. We, we make an effort. No, no. Do our best means... We make an effort. We take small baby steps. Towards what? Towards... Being in touch Right. Uh, but, but we have to, again, but that means that at places where we find the habit and we see this is the hardest to crush, you just be aware that the baby steps stop at a certain point. Sometimes you got to jump in. Sometimes you got to jump, not sometimes. It's the only way to actually do anything. And we, we're, we're, at, we're at this stage in his Sefer. Remember, we're not, don't worry, we're not talking about ourselves here. We're talking about what he said to certain students many years ago. So again, we'll continue the Etzadas Shir on Tuesday about what they said, right? We're or we could, right? We're studying the Bnei Machshavatova, but we're not. It's not a, right. Or we could actually really, really, truly develop this into something that plays a big function in our yeah, lives. Maybe and I have a friend. I have a friend, and this is what uh, this is what he's saying over here. Okay, I'm just keeping it at that for now. This is what he's saying over here. And uh, we should all enjoy our, our mitzrayims for the rest of the day. Okay? Shkaya.